0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 50 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Products. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. On today's show, the legend himself,
2: Monty Roberts, joins us to give his tips and tricks on training the OTTB. We get the scoop on the Thoroughbred Makeover Class of 2021 and the upcoming RRP Sire Madness. Amateur writer Bridget Klingler joins us to talk about her journey and working application with her OTTB. And of course, Leandra brings us our new vocations, Adoptable Horse of the Week. Stay tuned.
1: It's going to be packed.
3: And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse.
1: This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> and this is Joy Hills in Kalamazoo,
2: Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. JB, this weather sucks so I'm bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Between, like, the great choir... And that, which is what I'm calling quarantine now because I'm a millennial <laughs> and we shorten everything. Hashtag the great choir. Trying to avoid the bid. The choir. I yeah. like it. <laughs> and uh, now we have freezing temperatures across the country. Like it's not even just me anymore. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I feel
1: like I brought this on you. I'm Unless so sorry. you're in Southern <laughs> California, Southern Arizona, or Southern Florida, February sucks. It and sucks. that's just the way it is. And Jamie and I don't have anything positive to share, but not not about that. No,
2: <laughs> I did find something kind of funny on our sister show Heels Down magazine. They have their Heels Down radio show.
1: Heels uh, the hour. Yes. yes.
2: Fun place to get cocktail recipes. Just saying. <laughs> we found an article of the seven deadly equestrian sins. And I thought this was fun, Jamie, because I'm sure that both of us, have been guilty of some of these.
1: Oh, I'm I'm going to take a tally, okay? So I'll, I'll do... You're going to go over the seven deadly sins, and you have to be honest, and I'll be honest, and we'll see who is the biggest sinner okay. of the two of us.
2: Okay, I'm here for it. Okay. Right. We're going to start with the lustful equestrian. This person's color may be buttoned up all the way, and like most writers... They're sound asleep before dance clubs even open, but when it comes to anything equine, this rider transforms from conservative to completely out of control. You'll know these people by their dream tack room, Pinterest boards, as well as their habit of sending you ads for the horses they wish they could buy. You don't want to go shopping to the tack store with this bad influence.
1: Have you been this person, Jamie? Ooh, that didn't sound like me at all. First of all, I would never have my shirt buttoned all the way up. <laughs> and uh, the other part is that if I was sending pictures of horses I wanted to buy, I would be sending you pictures of horses saying, let's go look at them because I'm going to buy them. That's what about true. You?
2: No, I can't say that I'm the lustful equestrian, but I do know some of you and you know who you are. We've talked. All right. So zero to zero. We're doing good. Okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. We have the gluttonous equestrian, the first in line at the showground's deep-fried cheesecake cart. This person does everything in excess. They binge-watch the FEI livestream. Their horse's wardrobe is even more extensive than their own. And they spend every waking hour at the bar, no matter what the consequences to human relationships.
1: I mean, I'll say that my horses have really good outfits, better, better than mine. How but many saddle pads you got, Jamie? Well, I was just saying that that's not <laughs> saying much about my outfit. Like, a, like at the, and I'm not tough to beat here. And uh, I used to be a saddle pad hoarder, but not so much anymore. So, oh, no, I, I, I did recover. And I'll tell oh, you why. why. Do you want to know why <laughs> I recovered? Because I actually found saddle pads like one particular kind or two particular kinds that I like. And for dressage, I always use the back on track pad and I always use eco gold in my jump saddle so that I have uh, nothing to buy anymore besides those two things. I have to say,
2: I am the greedy Australian. <gasps> I knew it. Yeah. Yeah. I have multiple blankets, but I, li- I mean, a- excuses. I live in Michigan. No one knows what the weather is. We don't even know. You it's need all
4: changing. that stuff. I, mean,
2: I may have 20 plus saddle pads. So I seem to keep finding more as I'm packing to move. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and polo wraps and like okay. wraps. and So what bonnets. was that
1: called? The greedy equestrian. Yeah,
2: greedy. that's me. I
1: f- I feel like it should be called the prepared equestrian, but let's go with greedy. I
2: like that. I like that. All right. The slothful equestrian. The one, the OCD hunter princess stereotype. Well, this person is the opposite. They don't seem to have a functioning alarm clock. Their attack. I'm going to stop right there because that is neither of us. Wait, hold on. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) All right. They don't seem to have a functioning alarm clock. Their tack is never clean. They're the last to arrive at the end gate, the show. And the first to complain that the judge is playing favorites
1: when they haven't
2: even memorized their course.
1: Oh, yeah. That's not either one of us. Um, and yeah. the, uh, you lost me at functioning alarm clock because I am an early waker and just
2: pop out of bed. Yeah, <laughs> I always not ask. us. Not us. All right. So I, I'm the most sinful so far. We have the wrathful equestrian, the one that has an agenda and is going to convert you whether you like it or not. Whether their particular domination is natural horsemanship, how riding used to be back in the day, or true dressage. They are prone to long-winded angry rants and unsolicited critiques of your way of doing things. They tend to congregate and feed on each other's frenzies on forums and in the comment section online. I think that's not us either. We also no. know those
1: people. We we know those people. You everybody knows that people. If you don't know that person, guess what? You're that person. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, you know what? Talking about like-minded ideas is great, but when you take it on the, on the negative, then, uh, you've lost us. So what's next? So, so okay. This is probably me. Go ahead.
2: The envious equestrian is actually quite insecure. At their best, envious equestrians live vicariously through GoPro videos, but at their worst, they make nasty comments on videos or posts of writers doing things that they wish they could.
1: No. See,
2: That's not I don't us. know if I agree with that. I feel like I could be the envious equestrian when I look at someone who, one, has better posture than me, like Leandra's leg, for example.
1: Yeah, I want that. Yeah, but uh, it doesn't mean you're going to be nasty to them. So if they would tweak that a little bit, it could be us. But like, yeah, it could be you. Yep. Okay. This one's on you heels down. Could have been us. Yeah. You were almost there. Almost Almost
2: got us. The prideful equestrian. This is our last one. So I hope you get it. So we're tied. Maybe this writer really is the best thing since no hair hairnets. Those but regardless hairnets. of actual ability, this person will talk your ear off about how amazing their last lesson clinic show was. Name dropping famous trainers left and right. Their pony poopsie pie is above reproach. And if things aren't going so great, it's never their fault. And if you want to add to their conversation, good luck getting a word in edgewise.
1: Okay, well, sometimes that's me, but I get really excited and I talk a lot, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> "That's what you do, radio." I mean, that's what they pay me for, right? So I just get really excited and I might talk a lot, but I do listen to sometimes. <laughs> well, those a- were equally <laughs> sinful. Yes, we are. Well, thank you, Joy, for bringing that list to us. Now we have just an unbelievably packed, full show. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to get it started, but first, let's take a listen to our title sponsor, our dear friend over Kentucky Performance Products.
3: This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the
0: company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at
3: kppusa.com.
4: The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissue. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com.
1: I'm so proud to have somebody on the show who I so look up to. But I've got to I've got to introduce this person to you. You might not have heard of him. His name is Monty Roberts. He's one of the 50 greatest horsemen of all time, according to Horse and Hound. Horse trainer to the Queen. There's documentaries about him. He's written a book that was 58 weeks on the bestsellers list. The man who listens to horses. Many other books to his credit. But to me, Monty, do you know what you will always be? You will always be the man. That had his photograph in people magazine. Woo! Oh my God. You like made it. You were in people.
3: Yeah. And now I feel like I'm about two feet tall and looking up to a little girl. I, I tell you, Jamie Jennings is a little girl. I know she's a mother and a wife and has a family and everything, but you know, I mean, have a look at her. She looks like a teenager. She moves like a teenager. And now I find out that she's riding wild racehorses. Come on. The greatest thing in the world for anybody that advises, teaches, coaches, other people with horses, the greatest thing in the world is when they go make a huge difference in the world of horses. And here comes Jamie Jennings, and not not just waiting around. But I mean, I first met her about five years ago or so, and her son was one year old, running around in my yard with no clothes on, <laughs> and uh, and this little girl, Jamie Jennings, has just been named Trainer of the Year with racehorses. And I asked her point blank before this show opened. I asked her how many young men she had riding those dangerous horses. And she said, none. What? And she rehomed over 99 or over 90 horses without one guy to help? Mm-hmm. When I said, did you do all the riding yourself? Yes. I said, who's holding the horses for you? An 18-year-old girl. (laughs) I mean, what is this world coming to? We guys are going to be relegated to mucking stalls. That's all there is to it. I am so proud of Jamie Jennings. I can't begin to tell you how much it means to me when someone moves that quickly to go, yeah, from Zeus and Thor... Uh, Two Mustangs that had the best of her, really, if she would like me to say that. Oh, yeah. Um, About five years ago, they still had the best of her. And Zeus and Thor were the greatest teachers I ever had that I sent home with the student. And she just bounced up like a ball. And I tell you, to put home horses that were going to go to the killer plant, and be dog food, and give them another life over 90 horses. How proud does that make me? Jamie, congratulations. I can't believe your accomplishments in this, this thing. You must be so proud of yourself. And I know that it means most to be proud of your family and and all the things that they did to give you the time to do this and everything, dedicate yourself to it. And those few people around you, the little girl that eighteen years old that led the horses for you. I know you're you're happy for her too. But Jamie, the world of horsemanship has to know that a new star was born in this business of nonviolent training, and. Debbie assures me that every single thoroughbred that you took off the track and found a place for and gave them another life was trained without violence is that correct
1: yes sir that is absolutely correct and and I mean it's it's over I'm almost speechless hearing you say those things you've been my biggest teacher in my entire life and you've changed my life and I want to thank you for that but so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about some of the things that I do with the horses and maybe get some advice on some other issues that I might be not be able to sort out as quickly. So I figured if it's okay, I just go through what I do with them and, and I'll let you you pick it apart.
3: No problem.
1: Okay. Well, I, I drive about an hour and I go pick up one and I bring it home and, and, day that they get here, I usually give them a little downtime, but I do try to get them in the round pen for a a join up. And I've told this to joy in the past. Like, I think that by getting them here and doing a join up with them, they, for the first time, and I think it was Abby that pointed it out to me, my assistant is that for the first time, these horses, somebody is speaking their language back to them and what a what a relief it must be for these horses to go oh my gosh that was it and they're talking to me. So anyway, so I I bring them in, I do a join up and then, you know, a lot of these horses that come they're they're not just a race horse that came off the track. These are horses that have been sent to a rescue facility, uh, the horse and hound rescue Mm -hmm. facility in Guthrie. And you know, some of them have wonderful owners and wonderful lives and Mm -hmm. wonderful stories. And a lot of them don't. So I, I feel like part of my job is to kind of start listening to them and letting them tell me what has been done to them. You know, as you know, horses, when you, you can't touch their ear. It's mostly because probably somebody grabbed it, you know, and if you can't stand by their left flank, it's because somebody with a right hand had a whip and you taught me all of those things. So trying to read kind of where the holes are in the training is what I like to do next. And then, you know, we attempt the d- day two is a, is a join up. And if we can, we get the, you know, do the vulnerable areas and touch all that and pick up their feet. And then we start with the tacking. And then the long lining, and hopefully all of that is achieved in the first day. Most of the time it is, but every once in a while there's one that has come that has some serious former abuse or or issues. But would you say that that's a pretty good way to start? Anything I'm missing? Very
3: good. That's exactly what I do. And you must have seen it somewhere before because <laughs> um, what you've done is take it home and put it in your vernacular. You've put it in your movements and uh, you must be doing a super job to home over 90 horses in one year. It's just wild.
1: Well, uh, th- thank you. The kind of, the next thing that we do do is try to, you know, get on them. And, and I find that Monty, this is interesting because this has never happened. I I, I just have seen it so much. Now we've had so many horses here that I'm sure you can talk a little bit about the vision there. When horses come off the track, nobody has been on a mounting block to get on them. Right. It's not a thing. And I have to get on these horses with a mounting block. Nobody's going to toss me up there. I'm certainly not going to jump up there myself. So climbing up on a mounting block, all of a sudden it is a, different monster and they just it's like they haven't seen that before why do you think that is
3: well um anything different to a horse is unacceptable anything new they are neophobic and all horses will resist anything new and you going up on a mounting block you suddenly become a predator coming down out of a tree in the days of the monsters that flew out of the trees to eat them when they were only about knee high And those dinosaurs are gone now, but it's in their DNA to have fear of anything coming down on them that way. And it's new when you go up on the mounting block. But I bet you you'll tell me that about the third day they say, oh, that's Jamie, and it's probably okay. Tell me, isn't that about right, about the third day that you do this, they start to settle and let you get on mostly.
1: I'll tell you what, I've sped it up a little bit, Monty. (laughs) What I do is I'll take... 15 to 20 minutes and I'll have my assistant walk them around with me standing up there. And then I get down and I go rub them. And then I go back up and I get on and then they walk them around and I get down and then I go rub them and I get up. And then she walks them close enough to where I rub them from standing on the block. And then she stops them and I rub them. And then she maybe walks them around again, stops them when I rub them and they're done. They're done. That's it. Okay. The first day the first day, all they need to know is that nothing's going to hurt and nothing's going to scare them and no, they have nothing to fear. And there's actually something pleasurable in there with the rubs and the scratches and everything. And I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know because this is exactly what I learned at at your place. You know, they may not stand perfectly for the mounting block then, but they're at least not afraid of it.
3: Yeah. And, you know, the racehorse has a jockey thrown at them as they move along in the saddling paddock, generally speaking, and off they go. And everything is on the go, on the go, on the go. And the first time that they can settle and take a breath and let you step on them from the mounting block, it becomes a different world for them. And they don't have to worry about being pushed into something rapid. And you give them a chance to take a breath and and enjoy their work. And as you know, I say that the good trainer can make a horse do almost anything they want them to, but the great trainer can cause the horse to want to do it. And that's what you're doing. And that's how you have accomplished what you did. And I just couldn't be happier with you for it.
1: Well, I think one of the biggest challenges, Mondi, that I am having, and this is what I wanted a little bit piece of advice from you is that, you know, another thing that these horses don't understand is what, a what is this thing hanging down the side of my body, a leg, what does it mean? And yep. a, a lot of these horses, it's like, yeah, they might, when they're on the track, it's go, 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 go. But I almost feel like once they've come off the track and they've had, you know, their six to eight weeks in the field, once you go to restart them, they're in no hurry or they just don't understand what the leg means. So what are some tips that you can give us to getting a, a thoroughbred to move, you know, to move off the leg a little better and, and, and desire what to move forward?
3: Well, as you probably know, A, I have the top pole, training off pressure pole. And it's a pole about 10 feet long that's aluminum. And it has a T on the end of it that's about a foot and a half or so at right angles to the to the pole itself. And I teach them to move away from that as you put pressure on their side by every time they step away, then you go to the other side and you take the thing away from them. Horses are into pressure animals. It's called positive thigmotaxis. And they will go into pressure, not away from pressure. And all racehorses in the world will go into pressure, not away from pressure. They have not been trained off pressure, not at all. I'm starting to do that now. And I have about 150 horses going that do not lean on the walls in the starting stall, which is worth about three lengths to them in the start when they can start on all fours. Mm -hmm. But also I often, if they're really bad about your legs down the side, I put a dummy on with long legs and tie the legs under his brisket under the chest of the horse so that it sits up straight and the legs are down the side. And then I put them on the long lines and let them have that rider on. And they quickly say, Oh, well, it's not hurting me. Those are stuffed with rags and stuff. They're, they're soft. Those legs that go down the side and you tie them underneath. And then you have a little body up above and it, um, it does help. So the top pole and the dummy or mannequin rider, are very helpful in those areas.
1: And then as far as moving forward, does the top poll kind of translate to that? Now, if anybody wants to see the top poll, you can go to montyrobertsuniversity.com. There are a lot of videos about it. I have one that I ended up getting a sponge mop. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a yeah. lot smaller and less fancy than, than yours is, but it's basically a sponge mop that I've duct taped around and ever done all these things. Yeah. And I, I will put that on them and, and once they walk away, you know, basically you put the pressure on and then release. But when I'm sitting on them and I'm asking them to go forward and I have both my legs, will that translate over to going forward? Are there some other things that I can do? I've noticed on videos that you have sometimes to have somebody on the ground with a line encouraging them.
3: Yeah, a little bit of that. But if you use the mannequin rider and put them on the long lines, they'll learn to go forward with the legs on their side pretty darn well, the odd one will have some problems and you can put someone on a line and lead them forward as you, as you squeeze them with your legs Mm -hmm. and, and they'll learn it pretty, pretty darn quickly, normally speaking.
1: Gotcha. Um, and so what are some other, some other tips and tricks and things that you do for horses coming off the racetrack that are transitioning?
3: yeah, I watch the horse just as you already suggested, and I try to find those things that bother the horse, and then eliminate those things by showing them that that's okay, and then just keep moving forward. And walking, trotting, and cantering on a loose rein is really important. On a loose rein, not pulling because that, at racetrack that's what they do—they pull and run at the same time. So. If you put your hands down and then stop them every time they blast with you and take a few steps back and maybe turn and go the other way and then let them counter again, in very short order, they will start to move with relaxed reins a little bit and you can pick them up later. But side reins on a single on the long lines with elastics on the side reins will also help where they learn to come off the reins instead of pulling into the reins and running Mm around.
1: Interesting. Yeah. That's really good too. You know, somebody else just told us that side reins were a very big part of their off the track thoroughbred program, but that does make sense that they will feel the pressure, but they can't really blast because they're on the long line, you know, there's nowhere to go. On the long
3: lines. Yeah. And every time they blast on the long lines and some of them will uh, just turn and go the other way. And they blast the other way and then turn again. And pretty soon they say, that's not working. And they just canter off. And once they do that, then you can generally get on, repeat that process, and they'll, they'll pick it up pretty fast.
1: Excellent. I I have had a lot of great luck with, you know, teaching these horses to trailer load by using the the techniques you can see on MontyRobertsUniversity.com. And, you know, another thing a lot of people really like to do is, uh, before we run out of time here, is to trail ride. And how valuable do you think that is? And what are some suggestions you would give to somebody who's taken their first thoroughbred out, you know, their first time?
3: Yeah, well, you're doing that because it isn't the person that adopts them that's doing that. You already do that, and you just simply walk, trot, and canter out across the countryside on a loose rein. And that happens after you've already shown them that they can do it, just like we did with Thor. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe you take your 18 year old girl and put her on a child's pony, and they go along with you, and then you just go a mile or two and you'll see them relax and walk along on a loose rein so that the the person who gets them can have a trail horse where they go outside and not have a race horse where they go outside and pulling and fussing with them you you know you you've placed these horses so you're obviously doing a good job and the people come and see them and and realize that you've done a good job acclimating them to domestication if you will or off the track things and um clearly i i'm just in awe of what you've done a little girl over 90 replacements or places where they could find a new home with an 18 year old supporting you and no men involved i am so proud of you <laughs> there's just not words to to say it and i have to say that horsemanship radio listeners ought to be so proud of Jamie Jennings, who first came to see one of my demonstrations in Arizona um, and was already, I think, on horsemanship radio or on a radio network. Mm -hmm. And she's come along marrying the two things of really doing it and really talking about it. And can you imagine the The things that have been learned by Jamie Jennings on Horsemanship Radio, it's just so pride-making it can't even be described.
1: Well, Monty, thank you so much, and thanks for joining us. You and your daughter, Debbie, are on Horsemanship Radio, and you can find that on the Horse Radio Network app. Like I said, go to Monty Roberts University for any tips or tricks or videos. I'll, so many videos that you can find uh, to help you with whatever you're you're needing help with. And um, MontyRoberts.com if you want to find dates or clinics. And we're gonna have some here in the upcoming year as well. So Monty is always. Thank you so much for for giving, being so generous with your time. And go outside and feed the those deer. Cashel Company helps you enjoy
2: the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From cantle bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best. So stay up to date with the latest products and news. Follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, visit an authorized dealer or visit cashelcompany.com. Well, it's that exciting time where we're already seeing the announcements come on social media 800 trainers are going to be coming to the Kentucky horse park to compete in the 2021 thoroughbred mega makeover. And today we have Kirsten Green, who's the managing director of the thoroughbred makeover and Kristen Kovitch Bentley, who will be coming on to kind of talk about some upcoming news that's coming with that. So welcome to the show guys. Thanks for having us. Of course. Of so Kirsten, let's start with you. What should we know about the class of 2021 for the makeover this year? Well, the class of 2021, you know, kind of as we expected when we
5: had to postpone in 2020, you know, we knew that we were going to have to limit how large we let the class of 21 get. So, you know, just based on the fact that we still had over 400 people that were still active in competition for 2020, we ended up accepting about 484 applications for the class of 2021, which required our application committee to really whittle things down a little bit more than we would have traditionally more if we weren't trying to cram two events into one week
2: mm-hmm. yeah that's it's so interesting to me how you guys are going to be doing just the two uh, 2020 competitors and 2021 so we're having double the horses double the competitors it's a lot of logistics you guys have to plan. It double the like work
1: for the managing director. That's yes, double the work.
2: Maybe even quadruple the work. <laughs> so my question is: It's you guys have some interesting things you're rolling out, including I heard a welcoming webinar and some some different series that you're going to be doing for the competitors to help them along with the transition. Tell us a little bit about that.
5: Yeah, I mean every year, you know, we try to remind people that entering into the event isn't just you know, signing up to participate in something that occurs in October. You know, we're here to support this entire transitional period in makeover or in a horse's first year off the track. So we try to make sure that we're providing resources and support. Um, And one of the things that we've done over the past, past few years in particular, is try to make sure that we have several webinars on the schedule for our makeover trainers that cover topics that, you know, come up a lot when you're transitioning a horse in that first year. So that could be nutrition or, you know, if you're dealing with a soundness issue or something like that, things that you can do to keep on training, even when you can't be in the saddle. Um, so we kick that off tonight with uh, a session that we do every year. We call it Makeover 101. It's a welcome webinar for anybody that's new, or just a refresher for our returning trainers. Just to kind of reiterate some of the big things that we come across all the every year, just kind of housekeeping types of things: what to plan for, when, when, when paperwork's due, why it's set up that way. Answer any burning questions that people have, and just kind of remind them to, you know, just take it one day at a time and enjoy the process.
2: That's definitely a cool resource that you guys do and probably helps people prepare, especially in today's era where everything seems a bit uncertain. It's definitely a great thing you guys are doing. Are you guys seeing some disciplines having higher numbers of competitors than others? Is there anything we should be watching for as spectators?
5: I mean, for us, you know, some of the big English disciplines where thoroughbreds have remained you know, popular choices, they continue to be our heaviest entry disciplines, you know, hunters, jumpers, eventing, dressage. Typically, I mean, really um, the dressage and the hunters tend to be our biggest divisions. but we're definitely seeing more and more new interest in some of the, you know, disciplines where the thoroughbreds don't dominate. You know, the Western thoroughbred has been such a good ambassador for encouraging people and in the Western disciplines to get out there and try thoroughbreds. And I think that we're seeing that trickle down into our entry pool. I think that we've got some great barrel racers, some great ranch riding people, um, some great competitive trail people. um, And the Western dressage was a good addition in that regard, too. So we've got some people that are accomplished in that arena as well.
2: That's awesome. And I'm sure like in 2019, a a Western thoroughbred actually won the makeover, which I think was the first time for that happening. So that's probably really pushed that initiative as well. Yeah, it was a a great highlight
5: for, you know, the fact that that breed can be competitive in all arenas.
2: Absolutely. Well, definitely a lot of things to be looking forward to. You have to make sure you're following the Thoroughbred Makeover on Facebook and Instagram, because there's so many good things to look forward to. And of course, finding out if we'll be able to go down and be spectators or supporting virtually. So lots of good things to come. But something that's coming up a little sooner, uh, Kristen, we have Sire Madness coming up very shortly.
0: Yeah, right around the corner. So um, I think this week when this episode comes out, we're going to be kicking off our bracket contest for Sire Fitness, Um And that's from our thoroughbred sport tracker. So that's one of the services that the RRP offers in addition to the makeover. Um, oftentimes, I think people just sort of equate the makeover with the retired resource project. But we do a lot of other stuff throughout the year. So our thoroughbred sport tracker is our user-driven online database of thoroughbreds and second careers sort of like a Wikipedia for OTTBs. Um, so anyone with a web user account can go in and create a profile for their thoroughbred, and, and then anyone else can search through that database by fire or by discipline and, you know, get a feel for what certain bloodlines are doing in their second careers.
2: I think that's a fun way to start building community, too, for those who have adopted off-the-track racers and are, you know, if they question like, oh, could my horse be a good one for for Western or going to the hunters and just kind of checking that out. What would you recommend if someone's new to it? What's the best way to get involved? I know you can make a profile, but is there anything else that yeah, they need? Do um, they need to be competing?
0: Yeah. yeah, so you want to create a profile for your horse. Um, so we usually see a big influx of people adding horses this time of year anyway, you know, as they get their makeover acceptance and they go through and put their makeover horse in. Um, and just as important is we want to remind people to keep that profile updated too. Because um, a lot of people put it in when they get their makeover horse and then they forget. And then, you know, that horse has gone on and done great things after the makeover and they, <laughs> they forget to update it and put in all those great things. So it's really helpful for other users to see, you know, like, oh, that horse has gone to, you know, the ARHA World Show or that horse has won a tricolor at Devon or, you know, done cool stuff. So, so it's important to keep that updated for sure. And it's, it's just it's a neat resource for people to figure out, like, OK, if there's other horses, you know, with the same grandsire as mine and they're all really good eventers, like maybe that's a direction my horse could also go in. It's also a nice way that people can find half-siblings, because hmm. otherwise it's a little difficult sometimes to kind of track down, you know, foals out of the same mare. Um, so people have found half-siblings that way, any other sort of similar nicks, so like maybe hmm. a grandsire, a, a damsire combination, and they can see what those horses are doing to find something similarly bred. So lots of different ways that people can use that tool. Um, And Roy's working to improve it and and make it a little more user-friendly. But one of the ways that we remind people that that's around is with the Sire Madness Contest every March. So that'll be coming right up. So this week you can fill out a bracket. Uh, If you go to the rrp.org, you'll be able to find pretty easily where you can go and fill out your bracket. So what we do is we pull the entire database and we pick the 16 most popular sires with the most offspring. Um, And then we put them in a little bracket format. So just like the NCAA tournament. And then you can predict who you think is going to win each matchup of Sire versus Sire and submit your bracket. And if you are the closest one that you're offering a hundred dollars in RRP store credit to the winner, pick your final four correctly, then you get 20% off discount in the RRP store. So
2: some sweet prizes. to I'm in. I
0: know. Right it's <laughs> The thing is, Jamie
2: will probably win, too. That's the worst part. She's too good at this type of thing. Yeah, but Jamie will
0: share with you, right?
1: So, you know, maybe (laughs) Jamie can buy you a little something out of the store, and then you're all good to go. I will not win. I win. I never win anything. Number one. And number two, if you win, I'll share. If I win, I'll give you half the discount and vice versa. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll do some teamwork on this. We'll do some teamwork. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much
2: for coming. What a cool way to give kudos to your horse. Have some fun doing it. The RRP.org guys. And again, make sure you follow them on social media. They're doing a lot of cool things right now. A lot of webinars, a lot of cool things to follow at the Thoroughbred Makeover. So. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show and we're looking forward to following next steps. Good luck. Thank you. Well, we have a special treat. We have Bridget Klingler, who's an amateur writer, mother, and OTTB owner, and she is coming on to talk about her fabulous life in working equitation. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. We're excited to have you. I have to say, Working equitation is such a foreign concept to me. How'd you get involved with it? God, it and looks so cool, though. It I know looks so it cool. is so cool. Like, I want to try <laughs> it. But how do you is, get It involved is a very
6: cool sport. So, I got involved with it after I got my horses, and I was told to look up a lady here that had been one of the people that brought work in equitation into the United States, Julia Alonzo. So I met with her and she explained to me a little bit about what the sport was and what you go through and how you can advance. And, and quite honestly, I was attracted to it because it was a very friendly family type event there. Even though we have competitions, everybody gets along, you cheer everybody on. There's no, there's not a lot of drama or tension or anything like that, which I'm too old to deal with. And so that's really how I got introduced to it. So I had my first schooling show in October of 2018, I guess it was. So you get to do the this program and you get scored, but you don't have to worry about being disqualified or anything like that. And it was just so much fun. I just kept doing it.
2: That's so you don't get disqualified. And what could you just give a quick description of what working equitation is for those sure. who might not
6: know? Okay. Yeah, so working equitation is a combination of different parts of riding. So you have a dressage trial, you have an ease of handling, which is uh, obstacles that are pre-numbered that you need to navigate through. When you go up in your levels, then you also do a speed trial, which is through the same obstacles, and some are taken out because we don't want any hazards for the horses. And then when possible they also have cattle trials so a lot of this is based on what they do in Europe in the working horse and in the Iberian Peninsula and they've brought it to the United States so you start off with an introductory level that's where Stanley and I are at and you you know you do your basics being able to go in a straight line and start and stop and back and the pattern's fairly fairly simple you just have to be able to do it well and you get scored on it You can get disqualified when you're in the actual competition, if you step outside of the dressage court or if you knock an obstacle over. There are quite a few ways you can be disqualified. But the whole point of this is becoming one with your horse and working together in a partnership. I love it. And I love how.
2: Diverse it is. It, it seems like it's a perfect sport for an off the track thoroughbred with a busy brain. And speaking <laughs> of, you have a great gelding and off the track thoroughbred named Port Stanley. How did he find his way into your life? And what a great name! What a great jockey club name!
6: <laughs> it is a great name, and he's been he's been a champion. I found him. Quite by accident, uh, my husband and I relocated to some acreage, and I said I wanted to have horses after 30-plus years from when I was in high school. And we have a horse auction that goes through our local community, and I went to a, a rescue organization to look at a horse. I and mean, he was kind of what I was looking for, and then they said, well, we also have another retired racehorse, and they brought Stanley out And just, you know, the sun hinted him just right. And he was the shining copper penny that needed a home. So my husband was in Minnesota on a work business trip. And I told him I was looking at a horse and he came home to find two horses. That's how I like you even
1: more now.
6: (laughs) And now I have four horses. Yeah. Same boat, girl. Same boat.
2: boat. (laughs) (laughs) He's not quite sure how
6: they keep multiplying.
2: That's okay. As long as they roughly all look the same, no one really notices. A bunch right. of big geldings. <laughs> Three equals five, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it works. So did you
6: anticipate doing working equitation with Stanley at the time? I did not. What I knew was when I was able to have horses again, I didn't want them to just be pasture pets. I wanted to be doing something with them. So after I got them, they needed some rehabilitation. Um, and my, I had two horses. OTTBs, uh, Rivian, and that's not his JC name. That's just the name we gave him. He's had some injuries and he's a little bit freaky. So he's more of my pasture pet, super sweet guy. Stanley's the one that I could definitely ride. Um, And so I started talking to some of the people around town about what did they do? I had a dream as a young kid wanting to do dressage and And that's one of the ladies that I talked to said, hey, you might be really interested in this new working application, which is a combination of all of these things. And that's how I just naturally fell into the working act. So cool. Like, and it's
2: lovely that you found something that I I think it's nice when you get the horse and they kind of find where they want to go and you allow them to do that. Did you have any challenges with Stanley getting him involved with working at? Is it kind of a long road? Did he just pick it up right away? How did it go?
6: It actually has been a very rocky road. Stanley, when I got him, was in the mindset that he was retired. And <laughs> to get, yes. Yeah. So he's very much like Eeyore. He Aww. doesn't have a lot of impulsion, he doesn't have a lot of go. It's hard to believe he won and ran multiple ran and won multiple races (laughs) so (laughs) to get him active has been of a challenge we have a little bit of a who's in charge struggle we did really good this last weekend we had two shows we came away in second place he performed better than what he has in quite a while since we started so for him, he's he's got some stiffness from racing. You know, it's really trying to get him engaged again and not have him go, it's a competition and I'm going to be run to death and then stuck back in a box for weeks and weeks and weeks. So it's been a rocky road, but we've been getting there and he's got his own little fan club. He's a sweet horse, very pleasurable to be around and very, very low keyed, which thankfully I've been grateful for because I don't bounce like I used to when I was younger. And it's really just getting his mind engaged that this is a positive experience and not just a work experience.
2: That's a good way to look at. I think that's a very healthy way to bring any horse along, but especially a racehorse. So my next question was going to be for Stanley, does he have one phase in working equitation that he thrives in more than others?
6: It seems that we do somewhat better on the ease of handling, doing the obstacles. You do a figure eight, you open a gate from horseback, you close the gate. Those I think he's done a little bit better because he's actively having to think about it versus doing a 20 meter circle to the left and a 20 meter circle to the right and stopping and backing. Those are more boring activities than actually doing the obstacles themselves. So he actually finds
2: standing still and waiting for you to open the gate more enjoyable than the circle. That's great. I feel like my thoroughbred would be the opposite. She's got a lot to go. So it's really plays into maybe their personalities as well. Mm -hmm. But you see a lot of Spanish breeds in working equitation and stock horses, if someone wanted to get an x-ray source involved, even a standard bred, what should they look for? What are your recommendations based on your experience?
6: You know, I really think any horse can do this discipline because it's really about a partnership between the rider and the horse themselves and being able to work together to do the dressage pattern and work together and trust each other to do the ease of handling. I don't know that there's any breed that's better than another. The great thing about working ek is we have Andalusians, we have Frisians, we have the, you know, Stanley, the retired racehorse, we have a few halflingers, we've got quarter horses, we've got crosses. We actually, I don't have any that I know of here in Oregon, but I do know there are some of our working at chapters across the United States that have saddlebred horses and gated horses. So there really is no perfect horse. I think every horse is perfect as long as the rider and the horse have a good relationship.
2: I love it. We need more disciplines like that. I think that's the best way to look at any discipline is what's a partnership And is your horse happy? And it sounds like that's what you're providing for Stanley right now.
6: I'm trying. He doesn't always
2: see it that way, but that's (laughs) what we're trying. (laughs) Well, you guys got to the winner's circle in 2020. So congratulations on that. And congratulations on your recent second place as well. If anyone wants to follow you and Stanley, where do you recommend they do that?
6: Oh gosh. Well, he doesn't have his own Facebook page. It's just, you know, I have my Bridget Klingler Facebook page and USA uh, Working Equitation. It's usawe.org is the site for the organization that we ride with. And we do, again, like I said, we have regions all over the United States. So if anybody's just interested in reading about it, you can see the tests, you can read the rules. People ride English, people ride Western. It's just a lot of fun. And again, I think with horses like you said with Stanley and having that constantly thinking and being bred for speed and quickness, it gives them an alternative to just having to work all the time in their previous occupation.
2: Sounds great. I think I'm gonna try it, Jamie. I don't know. Are you are you game for it? Should this be a challenge?
1: I'll tell you what. I ha- it is the goal that I have. I have an Andalusian who is going to be two years old in March, and so when he is. Old enough to be started. That is the sport that I am interested in with him. That, of course, awesome. is of dressage, yeah. but like to me, I went to a working equitation show when I lived in Phoenix and saw the most impressive horsemanship there. I mean, mm-hmm. not only do the horse have to go stop turn, they have to like be super brave and be agile and, you know, pure pier- counter pirouettes were like part of the course, you know, because I got to mm-hmm. see some pretty higher level stuff and I was like, yes, that's going to be me. Uh, Sounds like we're going to be calling Bridget. (laughs) Well,
6: I just emailed Joy the website and I have I have purchased a Lusitano Canadian cross gelding and he is a year and a half old and I've already taken him to some of our shows because they've allowed us to do an in hand through the obstacle course with the young ones. There's no judging. There's no anything. You have a time slot like you would normally and we just we just walk them through on their halters and we walk them through the gate and over the bridge and around all of the obstacles. So they start becoming familiar with it. I mean, that's the type of group this is. It's everybody wants to see everybody succeed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I
2: love it. Well, thank you so much, Bridget, for coming on. Anyone who's looking forward to working equitation will have the website just mentioned in the show notes. And good luck to all your endeavors. And from the back of the pack on the outside, commanding firm is taken second, but California
3: Chrome shines right in the Kentucky Derby! And now it's time for the new Vocations Winter Circle Adoptable Horse
0: of the Week.
1: It's time to talk to our friend, Leandra Cooper from New Vocations, the Kentucky division. And we're going to talk about a horse. This is an awesome name. I love the short but sweet names. Census. What do you guys call him around the barn, Leandra? We just call him Census. Short and sweet. Short and (laughs) sweet. I love it. Um, Now, Census is a bay 15 three-hand gelding he's a 2017 so he still might grow but there's something unique in the videos that you guys did and it's not just arena work you guys have had him out on the trail yeah so i would say census
0: is perfectly describes a horse who's like an old soul so he's young in age but his i would say his mental or spiritual age is a lot older he's a really mature horse and i wanted to showcase that, which is why our videos for him are a little bit different than the normal walk, trot canner arena videos that we do. He's we're goofing off on him. He's walking over Liverpool, but you're right. We have this trail video too. And, this is something that's totally new to him. So, you know, he, he hasn't really had a lot of exposure out to the trails. I wouldn't call him a seasoned trail horse, but he really kind of took to it, learned quickly. Even when he was faced with something that made him anxious, he took instruction and he has shown improvement every time that we've worked with him. So I think that horses like him can sometimes get overlooked because they have limitations. So for him, he had a condylar fracture previously, which was repaired with screws, and he has some arthritic changes in his ankle as a consequence of all of that. But he's still happy to go around and, you know, pop around the ring and go through these obstacles that would be scary to many horses. So when a horse is limited, we want them ideally to have this really level-headed mindset and I definitely see that in him.
1: I love it. And I love doing that too, because some of the ones that have come to me for training have limitations and you're like, well, what are you going to do? And what are you going to be good at? You know? And so the ones that, that are like him, I mean, gosh, it's like, they're just, they understand that their life is now we need to be born to go on trail rides. Cause he does. He's really relaxing, uh, re- relaxed out on the trail. I do want to point out one thing. Um the who is this on this horse is it you? It's me. <laughs> okay. Now I've just got one thing you are wearing full chaps which yes. recently I have decided along with my friend, Jen, we want to bring back the hashtag, bring back the fringe. <laughs> Do you remember when we used to ride in fringe chaps and how awesome it was and you've got your chaps on girl. All you need is a little fringe. Bring back the chaps, man. I love it. Absolutely. And I actually somehow have,
0: you know, talked myself, right? Right like to say, led by example, into my other riders, they all now have full chaps and they all chose to have fringe. So I definitely feel that trend happening. Yes. Uh, i had these ones for a year and some, I just really don't like wearing winter tights, but I need colds and I just love them. And actually on the back of mine, so I got mine at this lovely place in Lexington called Clever with leather, oh, yeah. and she let me customize it. So mine say "good vibes" on the back of it, and that's just like a subtle reminder every time. I like to say "good vibes, good rides," and you know, it's it's not only fun, but you can. Cause you can customize it a million different ways, but it's
1: really practical and keeps you sticky with these young ones. Right. You use, z- let me also talk about the fashion that I uh, also, it's like, it's like you're the me in Kentucky. Okay. Because you're also wearing, not only like wearing that. chaps, you're also wearing duck shoes, which again, yes. throw back to back in the day, duck shoes are back. So le- like Absolutely. chaps and duck shoes, like that's what I wore from the age of like, nine to 24. (laughs) I'm basically a 10
0: year old. I agree. And I want to keep that alive. I've tried a million different boots. I've tried, uh, I've tried so many different combinations of things. I like to call myself a really good stress tester of products. And I used to, You know, just go through different types of combinations all the time. And this has definitely been the most resilient. So, yeah, I think we should have a formal call to any of the companies, Sperry's or L.L. Bean or whoever wants to make us duck boots. Let's get them actually making riding boots. I'll be the first one to stress test all their products. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, these these ones are actually the ones that have the shearling lined for the boots you cannot be more comfortable in them. You keep warm, you stay sticky. And let me tell you that the rubber tread on the bottom of these boots, it is steadfast.
1: I have the LL Bean Duck
0: Boots. For
1: for training, like Uh this is
0: the best that you can do.
1: Yeah, it seriously isn't warm and dry. Okay, so basically what we've learned today is that Census is a fantastic young horse with an adoption fee of only $300 if you get him before February 28th. He's in Lexington. He's adorable. He's 15'3". He's going to be a great trail horse. The second thing we learned is bring back the chaps, okay? Uh, Specifically fringe, but I'll let it slide. That's number two. And number three is we... We all need duck boots, so yeah. Can, can you think too. of anything else we've learned today, Joy? I mean, I've learned that style is timeless. So you know what? She's a millennial, and she's she's super young. So we'll, no, we'll... okay. Hold on before
2: you come at me with your your millennial hate. It's I funny. actually had
1: a pair of full black fringe full chaps. Bring them back. Bring Bring back the fringe, man. So let's yeah. do it. I will I say I'm going to
0: give an asterisk because the reason I don't have fringe and, and my girls have learned their lesson too. be careful when you have mouthy youngsters because they do like to pull off the fringe. Oh, so yeah. Just prepare for your fringe to also be an edible snack.
1: I feel like that's all part of like the character that you get. Yeah. In-
2: fringe
1: Um, thank you so much for being on it's horseadoption.com go check out census he's going to be a great little trail horse one day and thank you for coming on thanks for doing what you do absolutely thanks for having me all right bye you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for retired race horse radio. We're on Twitter at horse radio. And uh, I have a Facebook page flyover farms, Jamie Jennings certified Monty Roberts instructor. You can email me at Jamie at horse network.com. And you can shoot me an email at joy horse network.com
2: or find me on Instagram at the foodie equestrian. I'm moving my horses soon. There will be many pigs on it. So follow me. Thank you to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Company. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld.
6: Bye, guys. Stay warm.